0: Today is Friday, October 14th. The title for our devotional is Seek First the Kingdom. Yesterday we looked at the negative imperative that Jesus gives here, do not be anxious. Today we will look at the positive imperative. Remember from Tuesday how Paul calls us not just to avoid anxiety and worry, but we must fill that void with something else. Jesus does the same here. Matthew 6, 25-34, let's read it again. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In verse 30, and really throughout this entire section, Jesus points to our excess worry or anxiety as rooted in our lack of faith in God. A couple of quick caveats on that statement. From my understanding, there are different aspects in play with anxiety disorders. There's mental and emotional aspect, physical and the spiritual. Here, I am focusing on spiritual and general anxiety, not necessarily all types of anxiety disorders. I'll leave that to the mental health professionals, which those who struggle with anxiety disorders, I certainly would encourage you to speak to mental health professionals on this. Back to it now. Um, The word for faith can also be translated trust. So you can see the through line here and the link From anxiety and overly concerned about worldly possessions to trust being the antidote for anxiety. Through the examples of the birds and the lilies, Jesus is pointing us to the faithfulness, the power, and the goodness of God. If he is faithful to provide for the lesser creations, why would we not trust him to provide for us? Is kind of the logic of the statement. This lack of trust in God can be rooted in a few different things. One is inaccurate beliefs about God. For example, if we believe that God is not good, that he doesn't have our best interest in heart, then we will not trust him as we ought to. Also, if we believe God is aloof and not interested in human affairs, then of course we won't trust him either. Or if we believe that he is not powerful to provide, we will not trust him or turn to him. Scripture reveals a very different picture of God than those. This we must believe to be true if we are to trust him. He is our loving heavenly father, Who cares for us, as Peter tells us? Another potential root for our lack of trust in God is inaccurate beliefs about God's provision. This text is proverbial in nature, which means it is generally true. Of course, we could point to those who have died from lack of basic necessities throughout history that a skeptic could point to as evidence that this statement is not true. Jesus is here not promising that God will miraculously meet every need. He is pointing to the deeper issues of our heart. Do we trust God? He's also not saying that you won't have to work hard and earn money to provide. He isn't calling his followers to quit their jobs and sit around waiting for God's provision to miraculously fall into their laps. That contradicts other scriptures like 2 Thessalonians 3.10. This also isn't a prosperity gospel promise that if we have enough faith, God will keep us healthy and give us great wealth. Again, he's generally, proverbially, calling us to trust in God. Third, The thing that might cause us to lack trust in God is our desire to control. Trusting in God is hard. We want to believe that we are captain of creation, controlling every outcome in our lives. Although we know this to not be true, we often act like it, and the result is anxiety. If everything depends on me getting it right, I have a lot to worry about. Trusting surrender, on the other hand, leads to peace. We have to balance that now with controlling what we can control. We can't control all of life's outcomes, but we can control our inner life and our own personal decisions. We can control our thoughts for the most part, and our faith and trust. This isn't an excuse for carelessness, it is simply accepting reality as it is. Focusing on controlling what we can control, not on what we can't, is much healthier for our souls. So we need to have this balance, focusing on the reality of what we actually can control, and controlling our own inner Ultimately, Jesus' emphasis is one of focus and priority. Our focus and priority should not be on acquiring material wealth and our basic necessities, but on the kingdom of God. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So again, Jesus' emphasis is on our focus and our priority. I've often thought about what it looks like to, as Jesus says here, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Essentially, all of Jesus' life and teaching is meant to inform us on what this looks like. Of course, it's way too big of a topic for us to cover here today, but here are a few of my thoughts on this topic specifically. One, seeking the righteousness of the kingdom is seeking relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. We don't earn our righteousness. It's a gift of grace given to believers in Christ Jesus. This means trusting in Christ's righteousness for our salvation. Thanking Him constantly for His grace. Abiding in Christ as our source of spiritual life. Second, seeking the kingdom means focusing on our inner life. God is far more concerned with the, with the condition of our heart. As Dallas Willard says in A Renovation of the Heart, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. This means we should be much more focused on the virtues being produced in us, that is, the fruit of the Spirit, than what we accomplish. We cannot hope to accomplish kingdom outcomes without kingdom virtues. If we embody kingdom virtues, we will desire God's will and be content in doing His will. Third, seeking the kingdom gives meaning to our lives. Seeking to find the kingdom ourselves and to bring the kingdom to our spheres of influence gives purpose to even the ordinary events of life. Serving a neighbor by making a meal for them has eternal value in what it produces in us and them That is charity and thanksgiving. Working to make something of creation and bring good into your place of work is an intrinsic good. Laughing with a friend, even in the midst of a stressful time, demonstrates that our joy is in the Lord and not contingent on our eternal, on our external circumstances. Seeing signs of the kingdom advancing is always encouraging. It may not be what we expect, but Jesus teaches us what to look for. Finding your unique calling in this kingdom movement of God gives so much purpose to life that often seems so mundane and ordinary. For additional content today, I've linked you to the song Gyra by Elevation Worship in Maverick City. This is a song that I often return to to remind me to put my trust in God and not to worry. So I encourage you to to just put that song on and to reflect on the lyrics and to remind yourself of God's provision and God's care and his protection.